Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever had one of those experiences where you look at someone and you think to yourself, you know, there's something different about them, but I just can't put my finger on what that might be. Maybe a haircut, maybe glasses, something. I don't know. I tell you, you know, every now and again, I will shave off my beard. And when I do, I get those strange looks, those quizzical looks that suggest something's different about you, but I'm not sure what. To me, that can be amusing, especially because I know what's different about me. But what I find really funny is the fact that those who are closest to me oftentimes don't realize what has changed until much later on in the day. When kind of like an epiphany, it hits them. Oh, you shaved your beard. When did you do that? Last week? No. (laughs) Today is the last Sunday of the epiphany season. It's the, it's the, in, the, in this season of Epiphany, we are focused and have been focused on the fact that Jesus is revealed as the light of the nations. And today, we hear in God's Word and we focus on the fact that Jesus, who has been so familiar to the disciples, changes before their eyes. There is something indeed different about Jesus. Now, Peter, James, and John, they have been walking with Jesus for about three years at this point in the gospel uh, uh, of Matthew. They knew what Jesus looked like. They knew what Jesus sounded like. They were close to him. They probably knew what Jesus smelled like. They lived with him day in and day out for three years. They they witnessed his miracles. They witnessed him feeding 5,000 walking on water, calming storms with the sound of his voice. They witnessed the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the blind see. They witnessed and they knew that Jesus was certainly unique among others. Perhaps, perhaps maybe the disciples thought that they had seen it all, that they had known all about this Jesus. He was unique, but to them he was familiar. They knew him, or so they thought. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain and he was transfigured before them, they realized then that there was more to Jesus that they had ever seen. When he was transfigured before them, there wasn't this quizzical look on their face that said, you know, there's something different about you, but I just can't put my finger on it. No, they were shocked and amazed at what they saw. His face shining like the sun, his clothes white as light. There was no delay. Oh, you were transfigured. When did you do that? They were instantly dumbfounded. Now, Jesus was the same Jesus who the disciples had been following. Jesus was the same one who called them from their fishing boats to follow after him. Jesus was the same one who taught with authority concerning the moral law, the Ten Commandments that we heard about from Matthew chapter 5 last week. Jesus was the same, and yet in this moment of transfiguration, Jesus was revealed to be more. It's kind of like this uh, little lantern that I have here. If you 
open it up just a little bit like that, light shines forth from it, right? As Jesus is preaching concerning the kingdom of God, as he is healing the sick, as he is teaching with authority, his light is shining and people were coming into his light. They were following him. They were trusting him. They were looking to him to provide. But now at the transfiguration, transfiguration, the light was revealed a bit more. The glory of the Lord that was cloaked in humility was now fully revealed. It's the same light, just more full. Now Jesus and the three went up on the mountain and they were joined with two others, Moses and Elijah. Now Moses and Elijah were not two other disciples like Peter, James, and John who had kind of maybe walked around the mountain and met them up there. Moses and Elijah, if you remember, are two key people from the past of Israel. Moses was the one who generations ago went up Mount Sinai at the Lord's invitation. There he received the law, the Ten Commandments. And when he came down... His own face was transfigured, meaning his face was reflecting the result of being in the presence of the holy God of Israel. He was the same Moses, but the fact that he had been in the presence of the holy God was now showing in his face. Moses went up the mountain again at the Lord's invitation with the elders of Israel. And there they were in the presence of God after their sin was atoned for by the blood of the sacrifice. That's Moses. Now there's Elijah as well. Elijah was a prophet of God speaking the very words of God to God's people. Elijah, if you remember, was on another mountain, on Mount Carmel, with the prophets of Baal for the showdown of whose God was the one true God. Recall the prophets of Baal danced and they prayed for hours. They whipped themselves trying to arouse Baal to answer with fire upon their altar. And by contrast, Elijah dumped gallons of water upon his offering. And after a short prayer, the Lord answered with fire that consumed the offering, the water, and even the stones of the altar. Elijah was a prophet of the one true God, and that was displayed in glorious fire as it fell from heaven that day. So we have Moses, who is the giver of the law, and we have Elijah, who is a prophet of the, of, of the Lord. The law and the prophets represented on the mountain and in the presence of Jesus. One other thing to note about these two men of Israel's past. Moses died before entering into the promised land, and his body was not found. And Elijah himself was carried up into heaven by a chariot of fire. These men had not been seen for hundreds of years until until they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Peter, James, and John, they're seeing something that no living person has ever seen before. I suppose it would be like seeing a a rainbow unicorn or something, except this is actually real. Jesus transfigured along with Moses, the giver of God's law, and Elijah, a prophet of God. Now, dumbfounded, Peter opens his faltering lips and utters absolute nonsense, complete gobbledygook. Well, it's good that we're here. Peter, you have no idea. 
let me make three tents. Peter, you're treating these three as equals. And don't you recognize who is already tenting with you? Come on, Peter, how long do you think that we're going to stay here? Don't you know that there's still work that needs to be done when we come off of this mountain? And while Peter was still speaking gibberish, God graciously interrupted him. Peter, it's time for you to stop talking now. The cloud enveloped them. The voice of the Father spoke. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, for the first time in this experience, the disciples get it, and they respond rightly. They all fall on their faces, terrified. They realize now that they are in the presence of the holy God of Israel. They are in the presence of the God who met with Moses on Sinai and who answered Elijah with fire. And they bow their heads in fear and in awe. The light of God's presence illuminates not only what is on the outside, but what is on the inside. His light pierces the darkness of the human heart and reveals all that is in it. His light exposes the sin of body and soul, and it is right to bow one's head in fear and in awe in the presence. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't leave these men in fear. He came to Peter, James, and John. He touched them, and he spoke to them. Have no fear. And when they looked up, they only saw Jesus more clearly than they had before. Moses gave God's law, and through the law, mankind was convicted of their sin. Elijah spoke God's word, words of warning and words of promise. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. When Jesus touched them and he spoke them, they saw for the first time with clarity that Jesus had come to do that very fact. For Jesus is greater than Moses. He has come to keep the law, stand as the sacrifice, and bring about the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is greater than Elijah, for he has come to fulfill all the words of warning by paying the penalty of his people's sin in his flesh and to bring about the fruition of all the promises made to God's people in the past. When Jesus came to Peter and James and John, and they were touched by him. They were touched by the mercy and the grace of God himself. When he spoke to them, their fear of divine punishment faded. And when they looked up, they only saw Jesus, the one who had come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now, there was clearly no need for tents either. 
For God, in fact, had already been tenting or tabernacling with them in the flesh of Jesus. And the glimpse of glory that the disciples saw was only for a moment. They were not to stay on top of the mountain. They had to go back down. For there was work, saving work, that was yet to be done. Jesus would soon walk through the valley of the shadow of death to accomplish all that had been written. The light of his life would be extinguished in order to fulfill all that the law and the prophets had spoken. And on Good Friday, it would be complete. Complete. 